This is Kevin Evans with the Chapter by Chapter Live class at Crossroads Assembly of God in Greenville. And we are uh, studying John chapter 19. And last week we looked at the trial of Jesus and it finished up with um, uh, Christ before Pilate in which he was condemned by Pilate to execution. And we stopped at verse 16 and uh, we're going to pick it up at verse 17 and get as far into the rest of this chapter as we can. And this is the crucifixion of Christ. It seems like we should spend a whole lot of time on this, just because it's the crucifixion of Christ. <laughs> but then I look around this room and you guys have studied the crucifixion of Christ in depth forever and you've seen all the movies and we, we've, we've done this. I feel, I don't know if I can bring too much new to the table. Uh, so I want to go over the basic cultural probabilities that goes along with crucifixion and then look at how John... Uh, portrays it. And again, John was the only one of the gospel writers who was actually there and was a personal first-hand witness to the crucifixion, and he gives us the least of all the three as far as what happened. And I suspect that's because all the details have already been said. He's read the other gospels. This He wrote his gospel at least 20 years after the others, and it could have been more than that. Uh, so it was, uh, he, he didn't want to repeat what is already part of church canon, and he is sharing his personal experiences and how those personal experiences apply to belief and unbelief, which is his witness. He's trying to get people converted to belief in Jesus Christ. So, crucifixion. The Romans were gangsters at least they were the the uh, template that gangsters today follow they taught gangsters how to gang uh, their main goal is to take your cash they don't want to crush the enemy they want the enemy working for them that's much more productive yes it, and, uh, well, that's where all that comes from. You know, the Cosa Nostra considers themselves to be a descendant of, 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 of Roman, uh, well, of Rome. Anyway, uh, they want their subjugated people to not fight back and give them all their money. That's the goal. So the way they're going to do that is through intimidation and military strength and terror. And so when they defeated a people, they would impose a Roman law. And ba number one law is don't mess with the Romans. And when you do, they kill you. But they don't just kill you quietly in a corner. You are a message to all the other people that might potentially give them grief. So they want a very public execution. They want, they want the newspapers covering it if they had newspapers. They want everybody to see what, what, what they just did to you. And everything about crucifixion is designed to perpetuate that. 
do we need another chair? We've got one back okay. Thank you, guys. Look, there's donuts left. You got here just in time. Okay, Bill. The Greeks were also mafia. Okay. Um, so, the Romans want to execute a prisoner that has been treasonous. And so they want to, uh, they'll, they'll take them out in public, and most executions back in the day were public, but then the, the guy just died, and then they threw him in a hole, and it was over in an hour, and then some guy shows up an hour later and goes, what, what happened? Uh, that's not effective. Not, you know, we need a, a continual broadcast of how mean the Romans are. So they nail you to a big sign, that's going to be up high so lots of people can see you over the crowd. And they want you suffering and alive as long as possible. They want you humiliated as much as possible so that everybody else looking at you will think, oh, I don't want that to happen to me. And that's the whole point. And there were Roman guards whose whole job was torture and crucifixion, and they didn't want them to die too quick. They would get in trouble if their people died too quick. They would get in trouble if they didn't suffer enough. They wanted lots of moaning and screaming the whole time, and they became expert torturers to that, to that effect. And uh, so when they crucified a person, the whole point was to keep him alive a long time. Ultimately, what killed you on a crucifixion was asphyxiation. Not bleeding to death. They wanted to make. They were very careful about not nicking any big arteries. You know, there were places where you shouldn't stab somebody if you want them to live a while. Uh, so they were they were careful about that. They wanted you in pain, but not dying. So they uh, you, you, when when you're crucified to uh, with your arms above you with all your weight on your chest, it, the, the muscles will close up around your lungs. And it gets to the point that you can't inhale unless you pull down on your arms and get your weight up off of your chest so that your chest can expand. And as, you're, as you fatigue, it becomes harder and harder to breathe. That's the idea. But it takes a while because all those muscles have to fatigue. Why did they break, why did they break the legs of, of, of the, some of them? I know they didn't Jesus because no bones were broken. You're in his always body. a paragraph ahead of me. Okay. Your arms give out really quickly, okay? You know, anybody that's run a weed eater for more than an hour knows what I'm talking about. They don't last that long. Your legs are much, much stronger. And so what they would do is make it so that you can push up on your legs to, to, to relieve the pressure on your chest. It's not about your arm strength. You die too fast with that. So what they would do is put a step on the bottom, uh, just underneath your feet, usually with your knees bent, so that it's rather uncomfortable, but you could push up with your legs and relieve the pressure on your chest, and you'd live 18 more hours that way, you know? And so it extends the suffering. So it was a nice little tweak. Now, I think it's interesting, if you really look at how that's done, they wouldn't make it so that you just stand up a little bit. They would put it a foot up. It's way too short. It's uncomfortable. You don't have your feet flat against the, 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 the bar. And your knees are sticking out. Your legs are, 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 are uh, bent. 
So your femur is coming almost horizontal out from the, the, uh, the cross, right? So can you see that picture? What are your thoughts? And I'm not going to die on this theory, but this is a plausible theory. It was not a T cross. It was an X cross. That's beginning to gain a lot of thing in, in commentators that Christ did not die on a T. He died on an X. Well, you spread eagle the person. Well, because the first century symbol for the church was not the cross. Constantine made that the symbol of the church. Like, you know, before 500 AD. First century or two, the, the symbol for Christianity was the X. Yes, it was. Look at the ancient churches. It's X, not a cross. That is true. Just saying. Just throwing it out. I'm not waiting ready to die on that theory. Once again, I question the X facts. <laughs> I'll bring research. But let me address that. But let me, uh, I, there are several big instances of Roman crucifixion that we know about. And uh, there was, I think it was Nero that purged the Christians, and he killed off. Uh, Peter and his wife were killed in that execution. And at that point, there were well over, uh, there were hundreds of people. And when they did the crucifixions, particularly when there were hundreds of people, you don't want to have that in the middle of town? That's all stinky and getting in the way of commerce? That gets in the way of business, and they're all about business. It, it, it's on the road coming into town. That's where you want the big warning. So behave when you come into this town, or this will happen to you. And by the way, give us all your money. That's the message, right? Is that why he lit all of them on fire to light the streets? Nero did that just because he was being creative. And that's where I'm going with this. If, if you have Romans... That are, that are nailing a hundred people on crosses, if it's a two-day operation, they're a bunch of Roman blue-collar thugs, okay? They get bored. They are experts in torture and catching your attention and making something horrible. So you, you, you walk by 10 people that have been crucified, which is a horrible picture, but then you get jaded to the horrible picture, and the next one doesn't shock you quite as much, right? So a good Roman soldier shocks you. He does, he breaks the line. It's almost creative horror. He mixes it up. He, 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 he nails the prisoner upside down. And as you're walking along, you go, oh, 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 oh! You know, it, it gets you again, pulls you back into the horror. Uh, they might, you know, crucify you sideways. They could put in big X. Yes, the Scottish cross and the tradition of uh, whoever the patron saint of Scotland was was that he was executed on a cross in that shape. Uh, I think, I, I suspect that it was because we're talking about a cross beam that he had to carry. Uh, I, I don't know that gospel really holds up to the Scottish cross theory. But also, then there, there was someone said something about there was two pieces of that cross. Christ was carrying the big piece. Christ carried the cross beam, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, then someone else the carried the other part. But you know, that was, these are all uh, uh, trends. They're, it's not written in law that he had to carry the cross beam, you know. Uh, the, 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 the soldiers were in charge of that. As long as they executed the prisoner and it was horrible and everybody saw it, then you know, everybody's happy with that soldier. Well, that's the reason they say the cross is closer to the ground, which would torture a little bit more. Because.
contingency was, everybody was so grown up here, contingency was there was sexual abuse that usually happened. Oh, lovely. And they were and they were nude too, and you know, and, and in Christian iconography, it's always you know there's always a loincloth because it's supposed to be humiliating. But here's the question: if the if the Romans do the crucifixion, but Pilate turned them back over to the Jews, so it was actually the Jews that the, the Sanhedrin and all that that actually crucified him. No, no. Pilate, Pilate was following the one that said the Romans did the work, yeah, but it, but he he released him to be executed by his own people. That that's true. Uh, he just wanted he was doing his best to stick the blame on the Jews. It wasn't me. Okay, here's the keys. Shows how yeah, like shows how violent though the Sanhedrin was too. Well, sure, yeah. Okay, so with that background, let's look at verse seventeen and uh, read down to verse 27. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross, Bill, and we're talking about the cross beam. Uh, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. And that's all we get on the uh, two thieves in John. He just mentions that they were there. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened it to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. And Pilate, who was really grumpy from our last lesson, answered, what I have written, I've written. I'm pretty sure that was through his teeth, just like that. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them. With the undergarment remaining, the garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another, let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, and this is from Psalms, they divided my garment among them and cast lots for my clothing, which doesn't make much sense. Did they divide it or did they cast lots? Well, that's how that happened. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. John is surprisingly specific. Then Jesus saw his mother there and this disciple whom he loved standing nearby and he said to his mother, dear woman, here's your son and to the disciple, here's your mother. From that time on, this disciple took him into his home. Okay, let's unpack all this. Um, he went to the place of the skull, Golgotha. We don't know where that was. There are several good strong theories on where that was. And there's huge churches built on top of all of those theories. Uh, there is the, yeah, there is the, uh, is it called the Via Della Rosa? The, 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 there's, a, there's, a, there's a road in Jerusalem that has all of the stations of the cross on it. And it was designed during the Middle Ages for pilgrims to come to Jerusalem and uh, pay money at each one of those churches and absolve your sins and all of the rest of the nonsense that came out of the Middle Ages. Um, it is unlikely that everything that happened to Christ happened on the same street. 
right there, you know. Uh, also, Romans, don't crucify people in the middle of town. And that road is right in the middle of town where, you know, all the pilgrims are going to go. Uh, he was crucified near the city, according to John, which would imply that he's outside the walls of Jerusalem at the very least. There is a second location in Jerusalem that is, also has a church built on it where uh, a, a medieval English lord named Lord Gordon came in and looked around and said, you know what, I don't think it was over there. I bet you it was something like right over there. And you know what? Here is a nice olive grove. I bet this is where they buried Jesus. And so they built a church there and right there. So Lord Gordon walked around and pointed at places and I guess decided where all these things were. We don't know. Uh, the Romans crucified people on the road coming into town. It was called the place of the skull. Now why would they call it the place of the skull? I've heard it said that it was a big mountain outside of town that was shaped like a skull, which seems really, really uh, dramatic and theatrical to me and makes a good movie, I have to admit. It makes a good movie, huh? A little. A pe what? what? How does it remind you of Peter Pan? Isn't there like a skull rock thing? Oh, okay. I don't remember the detail of Skull Rock and Peter Pan. Um, I would suggest that, that when, when you're a Roman soldier in charge of executing people and, uh, and, and, and you, get a, you haven't executed anybody in a few months and suddenly you've got a few, that you go and do it in about the same place you did the last time. You know, you do it at work last time where people have it, right? So the Roman deal is to, to hang you up as a sign to other people to not you know, mess with you anymore. And when the Roman governor said, declared that you were dead, that he would, he would allow family to come take the body off of the, the cross. No one is, else is allowed to take the body off the cross. And if you were an indigent prisoner that was crucified, you just hung there until you didn't anymore. Also, didn't were it wasn't there Jewish rules to where, like all their trash and dung and all that had to be outside at death. Anything had to be outside the walls of the city. So that would mean that killing somebody would have to be outside the city wall. Yeah, yeah. Or it would have been uh, unclean. And the Roman, maybe the Romans had like a sanctuary place for that. Like well, a little bit, yeah, just enough to keep them docile. Yeah. were just left and so if you have an execution location that is commonly used by the Romans it would not be an unusual thing to have human remains on the ground during the execution from last month's execution there were literally human bones on the ground and I I think the most logical interpretation as place of the skull is you know that place where we've been executed. So that's, that's what that. My Bible's calling y'all gotha. The English translation actually is saying the place of a skull, not place of. The so skull. there was one skull stuck on a fence post or something. That would make sense. I, I you know I don't think that there. It, it's not dramatic. This is supposed to be humiliating, and it's a warning. 
and it is ugly and there is nothing to bring any kind of reverence to the executed. It, it is not on the top of a mountain in a nice, even painting with, you know. You never did finish about breaking the leg. Getting there. Okay. <laughs> oh been my goodness. We, we have so much more to unpack. That's all right. Go ahead and unpack it. <coughs> all right. So. It takes him half a day to unpack it. At least, it, yes, it does. It does. It takes me a while. I study. <laughs> okay. So John says, you know, we had a whole conversation in the other gospels going between the thieves and we go into their background and one gets saved and the other doesn't. John skips all that. He, he mentions that they were there. He, he doesn't even talk about the place very much. He's just given a location. He wants to talk about the sign. It's all about the sign with John. So there was a sign over his head, written in three whole languages, saying King of the Jews. And the Jews didn't like it, and, and, and Pilate told him to go away. I'll, you can fill in the expletive, yeah. So um, why is that important? Why is John spending this much time explaining the sign? He wanted the point made that he was the king of the Jews. They were, they were ignorant to the fact of what they were doing. Basically, the, the Pharisees, they, they just had one, one objective. They wanted to be the king of, of, of Israel themselves, basically. That's, it's like they tried to make themselves into some kind of gods because they were Pharisees and Sadducees yeah. and, you know... They were pretty much like the. They were pretty much as crooked as the Roman people because what the Romans weren't taking from the people of the Jews, they were taking the rest of it. So it's kind of like you had the mafia and then you had another mafia because they were both robbing the people. I'm going to have to go home and listen to the recording to unpack all that. So anyway, yes, ma'am. For the signs. What? what? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I lost it, too. Yeah. Okay, so, so, as you're walking down the road toward Rome and the many roads that lead there, you're passing by one crucified prisoner after another, and it's a warning to people to behave and obey the Romans, but it does, it's not really effective if you don't know why they killed the dude. It's got, the sign is very important to the Romans because it's part of their propaganda. So they have a sign above your head that says, treason. There are a lot of those. That could be anything from, you know, uh, raising up a rebellion to talking back to a soldier. You know. Yes. Unless they were doing a thousand and they were in a hurry. I mean, I'm not saying that this is absolutely. No, no, no. I just thought it was interesting. I didn't know they did a sign over everybody. Yes. Said. So there was a sign over each of the other fellows that said thief or murderer or whatever they were. Thieves, I think. And, uh, and so it's thief or it's murderer or it's uh, treason or, or whatever. Christ doesn't have a charge over his head, and this is Pilate's doing, because he doesn't have a Roman charge against Christ. 
He literally writes a description of Christ's identity. King of the Jews in three different languages to make sure that everybody reads it. This is Pilate's up yours to the Jews. And he's, he's basically saying, I'm killing the king of the Jews, beware. And, and, and that rubbed them the wrong way because it actually kind of puts them down a little bit, you know? And so they're trying to get him crucified for blasphemy with which the Romans are not going to do. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a tricky little splitting of hairs. But John thinks it's important because it's an authentication Authentica authentication of Christ's claim to be the Messiah. And that's why it's in there, right? Okay, did I get all that? When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four, uh, and that was to fulfill the prophecy, and so we're good. Now we get down to 24. Near the cross, Jesus stood near his mother, who is named Mary, his mother's sister, whom we don't know the name of. I was thinking it might be John the Baptist's mother, but I went back and looked at that reference, and it doesn't really say that Elizabeth is her sister. I didn't find a specific reference, but I also don't know if Elizabeth is her only sister. We don't know who this is. Elizabeth is her cousin. Cousin? Cousin? But now it does say here, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary. What? No. no. Sister Mary, the this wife of... The, Watch the comments. His sister, and then Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. So there, there's three Marys there. There are at least three Marys. Well, there, yeah, there are three Marys there because her sister wouldn't be made Mary if Mary is Mary. Uh, Clopas is not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. So that gives us nothing. Uh, Clopas is not mentioned anywhere in any of the Jewish histories or in Herodotus or in any of the other non-scriptural historical references I use. Josephus does not mention Clopas. We don't know who this is. We assume that it is a follower or at least, you know, the wife of somebody that everybody else knows. That, well, that's the readers all. at the time would have known who it was. Yes. And Mary Magdalene. John mentions these because these are people that his readers are going to get. Because there's no reason to mention them otherwise. We've got four women standing at the foot of a cross, and Hebrews ignore women in general. So why is this important in a text? Because it's Jesus' mother, and he's about to talk to her, and he's saying he's with her. You know? Amazing how they like to name everybody Mary. Mary, Mary. It was a shockingly common name. I have a whole hour-long rant on names, but we really can't go down that road. Okay. Later, later, later. Um, so, so John identifies that Mary is there with some other women. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, which is how John refers to himself, and yes, Bill, it is John. Please don't argue with me. It's John. I know it's John. 
Oh, you really? Because you've argued with me before. Uh, standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son, and to the disciple that he loved, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his house. This is weird. It's not what they did. But why can't Jesus' brothers take care of their mother? Yes, it is the, 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 the family patriarch, the elder's responsibility to take care of widows and orphans. That uh, They had a whole kinsman redeemer legal system built in for that that the pastor really loved to preach about. But the older one is the one being crucified, so he's no longer there. Oh, hold on, hold on. Uh, the, the, kid, the, the, the elder is also responsible for bodies, which we're going to get to in a minute. Uh, we know that Christ has siblings through Joseph. Uh, one of them is, is James, the brother of Jesus, son of Joseph, who at this time is probably not a believer, but became a believer and eventually became the bishop of Jerusalem, uh, or the, the big shot there. And the other brothers, I believe, were two, and I'm not, I didn't research their names, so I'm not sure if I have those two. Now, why isn't James taking care of Mary? He's the one with the legal right. Jesus is the older brother, but he should be passing this to the eldest male. Maybe he didn't trust him to take care of his mother. One theory. Hit me. The Catholic theory. The Catholic theory? <laughs> Jesus was the youngest. Jesus. That Joseph had been married before. Joseph was quite a. I'm just saying the Catholic theory. I'm not saying this is what Mary I'm was the second wife. Mary was the second wife. Yeah. He was a widow. Or actually, if you were 13, you probably married a guy already in his 30s. Yeah. He was probably married. This is what they. This is how they get the thing about Mary was a perpetual virgin. By the way, is that Joseph was married before, had children from his first marriage, and Jesus came last. So Jesus was actually a full-blooded son, only full-blooded son of. That's why he did this. He gave it to John because the others weren't. Well, that's not scripturally accurate. So it's a Catholic theory. Yes, I know. Well, but, but once again. Actually, I don't know that there is anything that there, would say that that is untrue. I, I, I'm not I, saying I believe it. I think I'm it's say speculation. It's a theory, but the scripture does not deny the fact. It, it doesn't. It doesn't speak to the fact whether Joseph was. It, it doesn't say either way. Uh, that's an interesting interpretation. I think the reason he chose John is because John was the disciple that Jesus loved. And I, I, put, I go for it more. And, I'm just stating the other possibilities. And John, I think he he was able to trust John more with his mother than maybe his brothers. You know, it's kind of like his dad, Joseph. We don't hear a lot about Joseph after we get, you know, after, after Jesus. He's born. assumed he's he's passed on. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. he kind of vanishes from, you know, the scriptures. Yeah. I mean. We don't hear from him Joseph was 12. quite a bit older than Mary when they married. It, you, Which would make sense. They weren't both 13-year-old kids getting married. If you were a 13-year-old girl when you got married, your husband usually was at the minimum at least in the 20s, if not 30s. You were married off to an older guy. Oh, very morbid. Okay. <laughs> 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 what, what? Well, sure, yeah. There's, there's, I understand the reasons for it. And also he had to make the business decision to get the camels or the sheep or whatever he had to trade to to get the wife yeah, and yeah. stuff, you know. Because he had to be ready to go. That's what she just said, ready to go. Just I know. <laughs> I, I was agreeing with her. Hey, if, if this bill is a valid issue, what it said. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm leaning on you more than I usually do, and I want to apologize no, in public okay. right now. It's Please okay. do not take me seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so Christ, for whatever reason, gives Mary to John for support, and John takes in the elderly mom and takes over Christ's responsibility to his mother. Um, or James was out of town. Could the older brother be somewhere, the younger brother be somewhere else, and he was just out of pocket during all this? He's never mentioned anywhere in the Gospels, but he shows up, I think, in Acts. Yeah, and, and, and if he's not there, then who's going to take care of it? I mean, you know. He shows up in time to be killed. I mean, that's basically the only time it's, he's really spoken of is when he, when he said James was certain person put James to death. And James and John were from the same town as uh, Christ was, and so I, I don't know that they weren't staying in the same house at this point anyway. You know, maybe, you know, he's just blessing the arrangement that's already there. John was an unofficial member of the family. Yeah. And known in Caiaphas's house. He got around. John, John knew people. He was a man of his own <laughs> Okay. I have a All right. John. Why did John? How did John become an elder? You know, when he writes First, Second, Third John, he's an elder. He dresses himself as an elder. What are you talking about? I that means he's old. Years later, yeah. He wrote those books. He outlived them all, so you get to call him whatever you want to at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how it works? No. Well, an elder was an official. That's awesome. Elder was an office. Awesome. Elder, was an office. <laughs> elder was an office, but elder. <laughs> Well, elder was what we would call pastor. They called their pastor elder. They just thought he was unique when he got to writing his other books. But we got to remember something. They didn't speak English. No, so we're applying the words. Elder means pastor in that in, in that language. It's, that's what they, they tip, you were usually called an elder. Pastor as a term didn't come on until later on. Okay, verse 28, and we've got to get through this before all the music people run away. Later, knowing that, that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge in a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Uh, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave, gave up his spirit. Now, it was the day of preparation, which is the day before the Sabbath, it's when you do all the cooking. Uh, and it, it, the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken, Bill, and bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he had already died, they did not break his legs. Instead, the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden blow of blood and water. Which they say means his heart exploded. Yes. Well, exploded is an interesting term. The man who saw it has given testimony, and the testimony is true. Again, John is referring to himself. So this is, he's saying this is firsthand testimony. I saw it. 
He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. And then he refers to what, uh, Old Testament. Uh, no one, uh, no, no, not one of his bones was broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on one they have pierced. Because the bones of a sacrificial lamb were not to be broken according to the Passover rites or food preparation. And, and they talked about his side being pierced, which is not something that happens to people and being crucified, because then they bleed too fast. That was Zechariah 12, 10 and Psalm 34, 20. Thank you. Okay, so, Christ, I have a question. okay. No, you fit in well here. Go, go. So there are all these prophecies coming true this day that he's being crucified. All these prophecies from the Old Testament, Psalms and, and so forth. But when I read Psalms and I read all these other parts of you know the Jewish law and whatever, I cannot tell the difference between when the guy is just talking about what's going on in his own life and praising God and when he gets into prophecy. How do you how did that come about like how did they know which was prophecy? I mean, I guess you know after the fact, but because you can look back and see it, but the Jews would not have known as far as I can see. I'm going to defer this very relevant question to all of the men in the room that have theology degrees. (laughs) 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 I'm the oldest. I pass this on to the elder. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's an ongoing conversation as to whether or not they were talking about what's happening now or what's happening then. And every time I've studied the Old Testament, I find people arguing about that very thing. I I don't know. You got something, Jim? I defer to you. No? They're ducking the question. Did you say that? They're ducking the question. The only thing that, that, that I've seen or understand myself is it's a witness that God puts in your spirit that this word is coming from him. And, understand, and it'll, it'll always line up with the word, obviously. These, these Jewish males are growing up learning the Old Testament anyway. They're taking religious studies. Mm-hmm. And then as they come along, go, wait a second. The bones were broken. There's a verse back here yeah. that says the bones were broken. They just put two and two together. So you don't think it was a prophecy that they had written down saying, we're waiting for this to be fulfilled? No, I, I don't think so because we're, we're looking 2020 hindsight. Really? But as you're going along and you're going, holy cow. Well, okay, let's let's take the Israel thing to come to nation again. But it confirms Christ, it, right. Jesus as Christ to a Jewish scholar, which is what John is trying to do. Remember, but before 1948, no one thought the nation of Israel was going to come back in existence. I don't care who they say. They yeah. thought this was a spiritual Israel. Yeah. And boom, 48, Israel becomes a nation. They go, oh, wait a second, Scripture did say That's that. That's fulfilling yeah. Scripture. It's fulfilling. Yeah. It, the fulfillment is what lightens you up and goes back and says that. And it just, it's it's it, and everything is just it's amazing God makes sure hey I'm gonna make sure this happens just a wow well and how many times do we see that in our own lives we we and they go on that we way. move we go wherever <laughs> in our lives they got and offended ten years <laughs> later we connect a dot back to whatever yeah. we, we always joke with um, our eldest daughter because when we took the church in Leonard 
she thought in eighth grade we were ruining her life, moving her to Leonard, Texas in the middle of nowhere. She was never going to forgive us. She was never going to forgive us. I can see that, yes. Um, But the reality is if she had not gone there, then she would never have met her husband and so on. But that's not something you see at the time, but then you go back and you say, okay, I see where God's hand was here. I see where God did this. God moved here. If I hadn't gone to Leonard, I wouldn't be here. So everything. Going with that, you know, the the Jews never recognized their Messiah, or most of them didn't. But if I had been a Jew, and I had learned all these scriptures, and I would have been a woman, but, you know, that's beside the point, because women don't really learn that much. But, uh, but, you know, if I had been a male Jew, and I had learned all these scriptures, I would not have known which parts were prophetic and which parts were not, and I wouldn't have known what I and today, when we read Revelations, like it's pretty dang confusing. That's, <laughs> so. that, that's, I think that's an excellent point, what you're talking about there, because once again, we think we have to understand everything before it happens. God never intended that to happen. We, he, there's always a general thought that he wants you to prepare for in what he said. He was telling the Old Testament people, prepare for the Messiah. The details in all these prophecies weren't the important thing. You just get ready for the Messiah to come. The, the purpose, and I know I've preached this a hundred times in here, the purpose of Revelation is not foretelling the future. The purpose of Revelation is to teach us that Jesus wins in the end. That's the theme of Revelation. Yep. Don't forget, what is the mark of the beast? What's the Antichrist? We're going to be shocked to think how everything turns out. Nobody knows. They've been writing books for decades on that, and none of them can prove it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's prophecy, I believe, but that's another story. But, but it's, the, it's the general sense of the message with God wants you to learn from something. He says, there's coming a Messiah. That's the thing from the New Testament, I mean the Old Testament, that's, that's definitely taught. A, a Messiah is coming. Then when he does come, we start putting, like Faith said, we start connecting the dots afterwards. Same thing with Revelation, we don't know. Our thing is, Christ is coming back, Christ wins in the end. Then we connect, oh, 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 oh. It, it verifies God's power more than predicts God's power. We spend way too much time trying to connect the dots ahead of time instead of just walking in obedience and doing what God tells us to do. God well, yeah, we want to predict the future. That's what we want to do. God, God connects the dots. We just have to faith, yeah. show faith. Oh, I'm so frustrated because, like, I was just telling him, and he's like, well, you know, the whole point, he's agreeing with you now, you like, the whole point is that you recognize... Clayton will often agree with you and it'll look like he's arguing with you and you have like, to pay really careful thank attention you, to thank tell. You the, yeah, the, yeah. the perfect, <laughs> you know, you recognize and connect the dots after the fact and then, you know, that's the confirmation. But, you know, from my perspective, I'm like, what's the point in connecting the dots after I've gone to heaven? Because but in Revelations, well, like, I've gone to heaven. You have to remember that depending on your belief on the tribulation where it happens the tribulation was seven years I was raised to believe that Christians are sucked up the start of the seven because we weren't there in the 69 so we won't be there on the 70 so we're we're gone, we're raptured and then the great tribulation happens but then all the people who are left behind get to connect the dots well, but then, so we, we get raptured, and we've been spouting revelations, and we've been teaching, and the people who did teaching wrong I think there's two types of people. The people who just 
do what I said. They said, you know what? I don't know what the details are. I just know the Bible teaches the coming Messiah. I won't worry about the details. Then the Messiah comes and the details begin to connect the dots. You use that to preach the people who still aren't believing. And you say, see, this was all the fulfillment of prophecy. Some people don't need that. Some people just have that. I, I could care less how the end times happen. I really don't care how the end times works out because I'm a believer and I'm going, I think my faith is in it. He works out. We, we humans think we have to figure it out for God. I got to know what the, I, I know what the, the beast is. I know what the, you know, I know who the Antichrist is and I got to tell everybody, you better believe me, you're going to go to hell if you don't believe me, which I've heard before. No, Christ says, just look to me. I work out the detail, details. I connect the dots. And it's great for people who come after that. Maybe they, but they see that the dots were connected. I just believe Christ victorious. That's why there's a big, big question mark. And there's a big split here. Some think that you're going to be here through the tribulation. Some think you're going to go before the tribulation. And does anybody really know which it's going to be? Until it happens. I mean, we're either, you know, so. I don't care less who the Let them come. That means the end's about to happen and we're going to be living in heaven. I'm not going to put it off. Why are we fighting that? People trying to connect the dots. <laughs> because it is, it is. But then all the dots include things like what the cross meant. Or what the cross across. So that's, <laughs> well, that's just fun. But, that's but, just fun for me and Kevin to argue about. Yeah. I mean, Kevin and I just live to argue with each other. You we, we count angels in the heads of pins a lot. You complete me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think we're here to figure it out. So, yeah. What she's saying is right. They did finally connect the dots up to the place where Christ was crucified. They got those dots connected. But it also confused a lot of them because a lot of them thought he was coming to actually set up his kingdom then. In fact, the book of John, I think that's why John does. They said, hey, guys, this is what I figured out, reading the Old Testament and seeing what happened. They didn't break his bones. And that was according to one of these things in Psalms that they said. Isn't that interesting? I think John was a more educated man than some of the other apostles. John was like a member of our class. We want to show off our book learning. <laughs> I like to show my pride. I, I understand that. Yeah. My parents spent a lot of money for me to go to seminary. That's right. Mm -hmm. And I got to show it off somewhere. Uh -huh. right. How about that? It's my pride. So you so you yeah. continue, so you continually quote other people's ideas as you read in a book somewhere. Hey, let me ask exactly. you this. Me ask That's you. what smart people There's do. There's no original ideas. <laughs> One person says it, and that's that it. That was probably Solomon said, and there's nothing new under the sun. 30, 30. And, and you know what I say at home? Less talk, more work. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the most prideful person you know? You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of hurt. I was hoping it'd be me. Um, yes, Kevin, where are we at? Well, Bill, we're, we're at a point where I apologize to you for saying that we were just not going to get to any bone breaking today. And uh, I was all ready for you, too. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start next week with bone breaking. Bone breaking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, four minutes? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Let's, let, let, let's, let's, let's try. Um, they offered him vinegar. Um, okay. The best that I can come up with here is that wine was brewed and kept in leather casks as it fermented. And leather is a, a kind of porous material, particularly as it ages. When oxygen gets into wine, it oxygenates and turns into vinegar, which goes from sweet to bitter. Now, it's still 
edible, and I think it will. It, it, you can still use it in, in food, and it, there's still an alcoholic content, but it just doesn't taste that great. So what they would do is before we figured out casks and barrels and stuff. Uh, so what the uh, vineyards would do is take the turned wine and sell it cheaply, and it was popular among Roman soldiers because it was cheap. They would be happy to drink the, the bitter stuff as long as it got them a little snoggered. Kind of like moonshine. Yes. I, I've never had moonshine, so I, I don't know. Uh, bring us some this week. Next week. Thanks. Uh, anyway, uh, so... The best assumption is that one of these soldiers had a flask. Well, you won't going to waste your good wine on people who are dying. True. I don't think you give people who are dying any at all. I mean, they're well, there they to torture him. Somebody offers him something. Now, now, water is not going to quench your thirst. I mean, vinegar is not going to quench your thirst. In fact, it might even aggravate it some, but it will offer minimal relief. You know, yeah. Clayton theory. Okay. It makes high sip of vinegar. My theory, I get to heaven on wrong, so get to heaven. Okay, I'll let you. I think this is the soldiers beginning to turn towards compassion and belief. I think so too. I don't think they would offer. I think it's an act of compassion. Even without the hyssop, I think it's an act of compassion. I think, I don't know where we're going with your bone breaking stuff. I I also think they started to have a respect for Christ. They didn't want, they came across as saw he was already dead and didn't want to disrespect his body. My theory, I could be wrong, no, but I think there's a beginning to have a turnover in the hearts of the soldiers towards Christ, because one of them goes on to say, truly this man was sure. the son of God. I, I think this is a compassion, the soldiers are beginning to change. Well, the weather was weird, wasn't it? There was a lot of things going and on. And all kinds of stuff. Yeah. 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 It, it turned, turned dark, and the temple in the back, the earthquake ripped the veil in the temple in two, which basically... You got a bunch of kind of superstitious, somewhat religious... Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but I think I think compassionately, I think they're I think the Holy Spirit's working on these guys, maybe. My theory. Why else so, would one say this had to be the Son of God? He had something had I to think something changed the soldiers right Yeah. Now. So Christ dies, the soldiers get an order to uh wrap it up because they need everybody off the cross before Passover. Yeah. <laughs> now usually the plan <laughs> is to make them live as long as possible. But every once in a while, we need to wrap it up, you know. And so what they would do is break the femur because their legs are bent like this. This is the easiest thing to attack. There are two bones in your foreshoe, and there's nothing behind that to support it. If they've got their foot against this bend, the easiest thing to do is to take a big old 10-pound sledge and, and pop this bone right here, the femur, which is the largest and strongest bone in the human body. It has multiple muscles that operate off of it, and it's got the circulatory system going through it. If you break the femur, you're in trouble, even when you're not nailed to a cross. Not only are, can you not support yourself and you're about to asphyxiate, but you'll bleed to death. You could easily bleed to death before you asphyxiate once they break those two bones. So this speeds this up fast. It's exactly what they don't want to do when they put them on the cross to begin with. So they go and they have to kill the thieves and they break their legs and they die within minutes. The Christ is already gone, but they have an order to wrap this up. They don't want to be accused of ignoring their job 
they have to molest this body somehow, but there's no reason to break his legs. It's a lot less work. It's a lot less work just to poke him. And so they poked him, make sure he's dead. He didn't budge. We're good. Uh, water. The best explanation is that there is this membrane that's around the heart that has a clear fluid in it, and it, it, it pierced it, and, and that, uh, I think there's actually an Old Testament reference to his heart was pierced or something like that. And so that filled uh, 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 prophecy also. So John mentions those two things, again, because it fulfills prophecy and because he's trying to, to show that this was indeed the Messiah as he's trying to convert a Jewish audience. I think, and this is already silence, but you know, later on the complaint is amongst so many soldiers are starting to become Christian in the first century church. Would it not make sense if these guys started believing? I was there, I saw this guy crucified, now he's resurrected, he was the son of God. I, 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 this is all argument from Santa, but I, I really think it's plausible to think that these guys began, whoa, this guy's different, this guy's not a typical criminal. Maybe, Okay, all you preachers. Well, Jim, I keep referring. I think we are we are so out of time that I'm pretty sure the worship service has already started. I am signing off now. Goodbye, internet. Brother